On Tuesday, in a self-immolating display of narcissistic stupidity, the Daily Californian, which is the student newspaper over at UC Berkeley, ran an op-ed defending the use of violence in shutting down a speech by alt-right popularizer and professional provocateur Milo Yiannopoulos. The op-ed, titled Violence as Self-Defense, was a whole series of op-eds, actually, talking about why violence was useful in shutting down political debate. Nisa Dang, an alumna of the university, she wrote, To people with platforms who decide when a protest should and should not be violent, you speak from a place of immense privilege. As I recently wrote in a tirade against this brand of idiocy, asking people to maintain peaceful dialogue with those who legitimately do not think their lives matter is a violent act. Now, this actually is kind of evil. The notion that words are violence when the words do not explicitly call for violence, that's kind of an excuse to beat the living hell out of anyone you disagree with. It's also worthwhile noting that Yiannopoulos, for all of his myriad faults, which I have discussed at length, has never said that individuals' lives don't matter. That is a baseless slur. Illegal immigrant student Juan Prieto, he explained in an op-ed titled, Violence Helped Ensure Safety of Students, quote, we share our stories and provide insight to the reality of the flawed immigration system. To out us is to remove that agency from us. In other words, he's here illegally. He's an illegal immigrant. So more illegal activity is now necessary to make sure that his original illegal activity is left alone. Got it. Neil Lawrence, who's a former Daily Californian columnist, wrote that the so-called black bloc, this is the, the anti-fascists supposedly, was made up of people with the most to fight for and the most to lose and did what the campus should have except that the vast majority of such protesters actually live in mommy's basement, by statistics, and all the students at UC Berkeley are sponsored by taxpayers to be there majoring in uselessness. One Desmond Meagley wrote, quote, I put my safety and my freedom on the line because letting Yiannopoulos speak was more terrifying to me than potential injury or arrest. First off, you shouldn't be scared of other people speaking unless they're violently threatening you. Second, no one worried about protesters putting their own safety on the line. It was beating the hell out of other people we were mostly worried about. Finally, Josh Hardman wrote, quote, the principle of freedom of speech should not be extended to envelop freedom of hate speech, for the unchecked normalization of hate speech will have real consequences. If leftists were really, really worried about normalizing Milo, burning things and breaking windows did more to make him a mainstream victim than anything he's ever said or done. It gave Yiannopoulos the ability to don that college Republican outfit on Tucker Carlson and dump all the, anti, all the, anti, all the alt-right talk and pretend to be a normal conservative for 10 minutes. The students at UC Berkeley don't seem to understand the crucial mistake they made this week. That means they'll repeat it. And that's no good to anybody, except for Milo. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> Oh, so there's so much to talk about today, as always, but really more, more particularly today, there's a lot to talk about. Apparently, Elizabeth Warren has been shut down, and if you ask how, she also asks how. But Elizabeth Warren has been shut down by the, by the Republicans in the Senate. I'll explain why I think that's actually really, really dumb in just a second. But first, we have to say thank you to our advertisers over at Legacy Box. So, I'm a big fan of the idea that you preserve your memories from the past, you preserve your parents' memories, because... After you're gone, while you're here, preserving those memories is crucial. And if you're going to pass those on to the next generation, you got to make sure that they're in some sort of form that's not being eaten away by maggots in the garage. So that's what Legacy Box is for. You take all of your old tapes and all of your old film reels and, and all of your old VHSs, and you throw them in a box, and you throw them to Legacy Box. And Legacy Box then uploads all of them and cleans them up and then puts them back on a thumb drive or a DVD for you so you can access them at any time. It means that if there's a fire in your house, you don't have to worry about those 10 boxes of photos you're going to lose. All of it is on a DVD. All of it is on a convenient thumb drive. They take care of everything. They provide updates at every step of the way. My parents have used it. It's really fantastic. Legacybox.com slash Ben. You get that 40% discount on your order. 40% off. And the prices are already good. So Legacybox.com slash Ben to get 40% discount 
on your order. I don't think that there's anything really that you could do that's more important with your money. And it makes a fantastic Valentine's Day gift, makes a great Father's Day or Mother's Day gift. You want to preserve all those memories, make sure you don't lose them. Legacy Box is how you do that. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Ben. Okay, so Elizabeth Warren, uh, she sent some smoke signals yesterday on the Senate floor about how much she hated Jeff Sessions. And um, she, she, you know, participated in the sort of usual stupidity we've become used to from Elizabeth Warren. And Mitch McConnell then got up and reprimanded Warren and told her she had to stop. And when she didn't, then the Senate voted 49-43 to gag her. Now, that's not as much fun as it sounds like. They didn't actually take her and put a gag in her mouth or anything. Uh, they, they, they actually just told her to shut up. And then according to the Senate rules, she has to shut up for the remainder of the Jeff Sessions debate. The big problem here, the reason they could do that, is because there's a rule, it's Rule 19, where it's supposed to stop you from being uncivil to Senate colleagues. If, you, if you're uncivil to Senate colleagues, if you accuse them of things on the floor of the Senate, then the Senate has the right to shut you up. What she was doing is she was reading a letter from Coretta Scott King about how Jeff Sessions was anti-civil rights and, and so forth and so on. We've talked about the fact that this is a lie before, that there's no evidence that Jeff Sessions has shut down civil rights or voting rights or that he has cracked down against black people. All of that is false. But instead of just letting Warren spout, the Republicans in Congress decided, no, we're, we're finally going to shut her up. And, uh, and Elizabeth Warren then proceeded. It looked like this. Here's Mitch McConnell doing it. A person who has exhibited so much hostility to the enforcement of those laws... The senator is reminded that it is a violation of Rule 19 of the standing rules of the Senate to impute to another senator or senators any conduct or motive unworthy or becoming a senator. Okay, and then he, he proceeded to say that she would not stop doing that. And so one of the phrases that has, that has gone viral now because of this is that Mitch McConnell said she persisted in doing this, therefore she is ruled out of order and the sanctions, bo the boom come the sanctions. So very exciting stuff on the Senate floor. Okay, this is really stupid. This is really, really stupid. The Republicans should not have done this. The reason they should not have done this is because it's super dumb. There are three reasons why this is incredibly dumb. First of all, well, four, really. First of all, it didn't actually silence Elizabeth Warren. After she was thrown out of the Senate debate, she then proceeded on her own personal trail of tears where she explained everything that she could about why Jeff Sessions was the worst person in the world. She went on Twitter and she said, tonight on the Senate floor, I tried to speak about why Senator Sessions is totally unfit to serve as attorney general. On the floor, I read a letter that Coretta Scott King wrote in 1986 opposing Senator Sessions' judicial nomination. I spoke out about Senator Sessions until Senate Majority Leader McConnell decided to silence me. Makes it sound like he clocked her with a brick or something. He says, I will not be silenced about a nominee for AG who has made derogatory and racist comments that have no place in our justice system. I will not be silent while the Republicans rubber stamp an AG who will never stand up to the president when he breaks the law. First of all, it's kind of ironic since Loretta Lynch and Eric Holder never stood up to Obama when he broke the law repeatedly. She concluded tonight, Senate Majority Leader silenced Mrs. King's voice on the Senate floor and millions who are afraid and appalled by what's happening in our country. And now, unless you actually want to make Elizabeth Warren the nominee in 2020, which is possible, maybe you actually want to make Elizabeth Warren the nominee in, in 2020. You want Focahontas to be the, the nominee in 2020. The reason we call her that, by the way, is because she claimed for years that she was of Native American ancestry, and there is no evidence whatsoever that she is. It's how she got a job at Harvard. They claimed that she was a, a member of a minority, and they called her a minority hire. She's significantly whiter than I am significantly whiter. I mean, honest to God, she's significantly whiter than this piece of paper right here. I mean, she is she is the whitest person in human history. But she uh, she you know, said all this. In any case, they silence her. And uh, this is the problem. Number one, they gave her what she wanted. So I let off today's broadcast by talking about if you want to give Milo what he wants, just keep telling him to shut up. 
Right? If you want Milo to get what he wants, all you have to do is keep burning things over at Berkeley. If you want to give Elizabeth Warren what she wants, more publicity, all you have to do is tell her to shut up and then invoke the Senate rules. That's number one. Number two, I'm sorry, but Republicans don't get to play the civility game anymore. Okay, the civility game is over. And honestly, I hate the civility game in the first place. I think the civility game is stupid. A lot of people are very upset about President Trump because President Trump is uncivil. That's the least of my concerns with President Trump. I don't really care that much about civility. I think civility... It's one thing to say that you shouldn't go out of your way to gratuitously insult people. It's another thing to say that you you have to be perfectly civil and it's tea time in the Senate. I hate the idea that the Senate is this place of great decorum and civility because the Senate passes a lot of crappy laws. I prefer it when they yell at each other. I prefer when they scream at each other. I like when there's conflict because what that means is that nothing gets done. And as you know, my perspective on government is that we are best off when the government is not really able to do anything. So when Republicans do this, but it, but it is hypocritical. When every time Donald Trump tweet farts and everybody on the Republican side immediately responds with, well, he has a unique way of communicating. When Donald Trump is insulting people routinely and people go, well, that's just Trump. And then Elizabeth Warren says that the potential attorney general is a bad guy. And everyone goes, no, silence her. It's hypocritical. It is. And just to be intellectually honest, it's ridiculous to do that. Okay, playing by the we don't need no stinking civility rules. And then turning around and saying, but civility for you. It's a game the left likes to play a lot. I don't like it when the left plays it. I don't like it when the right plays it. If we're not going to have civility, which I'm fine with, then let's stop with all the protestations about how it's so awful that Elizabeth Warren said stuff about Sessions. Finally, you can't be in favor of censorship when it's, it's your opponent and against it when it's you. So the best way to stop Elizabeth Warren is to let her just continue babbling like a nonsensical moron because she does that really well. She talks and she talks and she talks, and the more she talks, the stupider she sounds. Right? If you actually want her to lose, then what you have to do is just let her talk. And then you say, none of that's true, and you're crazy. That's a much better way of doing this than by voting to shut her down. Look, is it emotionally satisfying for a lot of Republicans to shut Elizabeth Warren down and make her be quiet? Yeah, of, of course it's emotionally satisfying to, to put her back in her teepee. I mean, I understand, but that doesn't mean that you actually are supposed to do that as a strategy for winning. It doesn't allow you to win. It just makes you look intolerant and foolish. There's no reason to do it that way. So that's my problem with the Elizabeth Warren thing. That said, the Democrats in the Senate are really making asses of themselves in a major way. So, you know, to, to take an example, it's, it, it is amazing to me that if you, if you look at Cory Booker, okay, Cory Booker portrays himself as this moderate. Cory Booker is supposed to be this giant moderate. And a few years ago, here's what Cory Booker had to say about school choice. He was speaking, by the way, at an event for Betsy DeVos, who's the new Secretary of Education. She was approved yesterday. He voted against her. Here's what he was saying just a few years, I think it was two years ago, at a Betsy DeVos event. Here's, here's Cory Booker. And there are people that say, I'm against school choice. And, and I don't understand that. I cannot ever stand up and, and stand against a parent having options because I benefited from my parents having options. And when people tell me they're against school choice, whether it's the Opportunity Scholarship Act or charter schools, I look at them and say, as soon as you're telling me you're willing to send your kid to a failing school in my city or in Camden or Trenton, then I'll be with you. But as far as I know, all the people representing my city right now, I'm not exaggerating. I've looked, maybe I'm wrong, but all the people representing my city in elected office that have children in schools. Let's start at the top. I'm going to be out there fighting for my president, but 
He does not send his kids to Washington, D.C. public schools. I got a governor in the state house. Okay, we can stop it right there. So there's Cory Booker, you know, doing a really good job of explaining school choice. And then yesterday he turns around and says, we can never vote for Betsy DeVos because she's for school choice. It just so shows how ridiculous the Democrats are. And they truly are insipid and ridiculous on these topics, which is why I like it when they talk. The more they talk, the better Republicanism sounds, the better conservatism sounds. No better case of this than last night. Senator Ted Cruz debates Bernie Sanders on CNN about health care and health insurance. And Bernie Sanders' argument, as always, it's always the same argument. It always comes down to the world is full of unfair things. And those unfair things must be made fair by government. That makes things more unfair. But they will be made fair by that same government because only the government can make everyone poor and then everyone is fair. Fair, fair, fair. I have three houses, a nice car. I live in the lap of luxury in the richest country in the history of mankind. But that has nothing to do with all the policies that have been pervade until now, the only thing that matters is that we impute socialism and put it into, we import it and we put it into policy here in the United States. And also, I would like a pudding cup. Right now, a pudding cup. So that was basically how the debate went last night. And Ted Cruz really sort of destroyed him because Bernie had no stats. He had no facts. His entire argument last night was that. It was, life is unfair, poor me, yay government. And so he just kept saying over and over and over that we spend lots of money on health care and that other countries have it better. And then Cruz would come back and he would say, no, and I'll explain why that's not true. And then Sanders would wander dazedly around the auditorium. But it's fun to show some clips of this because it does demonstrate the lack of factual knowledge among Democrats who stump for nationalized health care. Here is I want to start with clip 19. Actually, this is this is Ted Cruz destroying Bernie Sanders's tax plan because Bernie says we should have nationalized health care. And the way he's going to pay for it is by taxing rich people. Okay, that is not going to work. Let me give you an example. Okay, the, the National Health Service in Britain is a nationalized healthcare system, which rations and they have all sorts of severe problems. It's basically bankrupt at this point. They have to charge everybody who makes more than $50,000 a year in American dollars 40% income tax. That's aside from all of the other fees and taxes they have to pay, 40%. Okay, by way of contrast, in the United States, the income tax rate for people who make like 50 grand in the United States is what, like 20%, something like that? It's like half of that. So- you know, to pretend that you can pay for all of this stuff just by taxing rich people is nonsense. And that's what Cruz says. And he destroys Sanders over and over. Just, it's kind of fun to watch Sanders' face as this happens. But let me make a broader point on taxes, which is many times in this debate, Bernie has talked about providing health care for free from the government. You know what? The simplest principle in economics is Tonstoffel. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. The liberal-leaning Urban Institute scored Bernie's health plan concluded it would cost $2.5 trillion in the first year and $32 trillion over 10 years. Now, how much is that? Trillions is a big number. It's not clear what that is. Let me put it in perspective. All of the federal income taxes we pay today are about $1.5 trillion a year. $2.5 trillion means every one of us paying income taxes would have to about triple what you pay in income taxes to get an additional $2.5 trillion. Now, Bernie, no doubt, is going to come back and say, no, 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 none of you are going to pay, just the rich. Well, how about if we took every person that makes over a million dollars a year and confiscated 100% of their income, took every penny that they make, that would raise only enough money to fund <laughs> Bernie's plan for five months. Here's another Bernie's idea. Bernie's looking real awkward. How about if the government confiscated the assets of Apple, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, and ExxonMobil. If it came in <laughs> illegally, sold, the, seized those companies and sold them, that would pay for one year of Bernie's plan. 
If you don't want to see your taxes triple, in addition to the wait list, in addition to the rationing, in addition to fewer MRIs and mammograms to worse care, then you don't want to see Bernie's Medicaid for all. You want to see cheap, affordable health care that okay. you can choose that Great puts stuff. you in control. Yeah, great stuff from Senator Cruz right there. And it went like this all night long. Perhaps the, the most shocking incident was there, there's a woman named LaRonda who gets up, and she's from Texas, and she asks Bernie Sanders, she says, I have 49 employees at this hairdressing emporium that I own, and I don't want to pay for everybody's health insurance because I will go out of business. And Bernie Sanders' answer is, and this is the cruelty of socialism, Bernie Sanders' answer is, maybe you should go out of business. Maybe you should. If you cannot pay the health care, perhaps you should go out of business. Ignoring the fact that then everybody at LaRonda's is not going to have a job and be on the government dole, but that's actually what he wants, right? Socialism is all about driving people out of private industry and into the arms of the public sector. Bernie Sanders said many times last night, he said a bunch of times, that the, the Medicare is deeply, deeply popular. Medicaid is deeply right, because when you make people dependent on something, it turns out that that thing is super popular with the people who are dependent on it. But here was this exchange. It was pretty amazing. This clip eight. This is this woman, LaRonda, questioning Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders basically saying, you go out in the cold and you should die out there. You're a bad person. You're a very bad person. I've been living on the public door for years. Why cannot you also do the same thing? Pudding now. Under Obamacare, I am restricted um, because I, it requires me to uh, furnish imp, uh, health insurance if I employ more than 50 people. Unfortunately, the profit margin in my industry is very thin, and I'm not a wealthy person, so it's impossible for me to grow my business. Um, my question to you, Senator Sanders, is how do I grow my business? How do I employ more Americans without either raising the prices to my customers or lowering wages to my employees? Uh, let, me be, let me give you an answer you will not be happy with. Uh, and that is, I think uh, that for businesses that employ 50 people or more, given the nature of our dysfunctional health care system right now, where most people do get their health insurance through the places that they work, I'm sorry, I think that in America today, everybody should have health care. And if you have more than 50 people, you know what? I think I'm afraid to tell you, but I think you will have. Okay, so basically, you should go screw yourself. You're a terrible person. And you should fire all of your employees. You should go out of business. And then you should get in a boat off the coast in the Gulf of Mexico, drill a hole in it, and drown. That is my plan for health care. Thank you, Bernie Sanders. Well, before we break, I want to play a little bit more of this, but I do have to say thank you to another one of our advertisers. These are good folks over at Tracker. So, as I've said many times before, Tracker may have saved my marriage. My wife loses her phone every single day, like every day. She also loses her keys a lot. Actually, I have to admit, I lose my keys and wallet a lot. And we have Tracker at home, and that allows me to find it. So Tracker is this thing that's like the size of a coin, and you attach it to the object that you're afraid you're going to lose, and then you can call it, and then it tells you exactly where it is. It rings, it beeps, and that allows you to know exactly where it is. If you put it on your phone, it actually allows it to override the silent function on your phone. So instead of the, instead of the phone just remaining silent, which is the problem, right? You lose your phone and then you call it, and oh God, I forgot I put it on silent or it died. Tracker makes sure that you can find it anyway. So you, you pair your tracker to a smartphone, you attach it to anything, and you find the precise location with the tap of a button. Your phone rings even when it's on silent if you use it. It's finding over a million misplaced items every day. Order yours right now, and you will never lose anything again. I promise you, I use it all the time myself. It's thetracker.com, thetracker.com, promo code BEN, thetracker.com. 
promo code Ben, and you get a free Tracker Bravo with any order. If you go right now and, and use that promo code Ben, great product. Very excited to be associated with them, and uh, and thank you, Tracker, for helping my marriage be better because it means that I'm less annoyed with my wife. My wife is less annoyed with me, and since I'm a really annoying person, as you can tell, that really helps me a lot in my marriage. It means that my wife loves me more and wants to murder me less. Okay, so the uh, so back to this this Cruz Bernie Sanders debate. Speaking of annoying. Uh, there, there was one aspect where I thought that Republicans are constantly making a mistake, and that aspect is they, they grant the lefty premise that profit is bad. Instead of just saying that free markets you know, make things better, what they really should be saying is, look, the only reason free markets work is because there is a profit incentive. The reason free markets work, the reason people want to become doctors, the reason drug companies produce new drugs, the reason that the hospital takes care of, it takes care of you is not out of the charity and goodness of their heart. Part of it is that. But a huge part of it is that they're making money off of it because no one can afford to be charitable full time. And so the healthcare system is no exception. The reason I say there's a problem is, for example, here's Ted Cruz talking about insurance companies. Bernie Sanders says the insurance companies are screwing you. They're making so much money. And Ted Cruz comes back not with, listen, insurance companies only make money by insuring people. They're voluntary transactions. And you may not like your insurance company. The reason you probably don't like your insurance company is because there's not open competition, so the product is worse. The government heavily regulates the insurance companies. The government now crams down bad deals on insurance companies from the state, and that's why your health insurance costs are so high. It's why they've risen under Obamacare. You need to restore an honest and open free market with profit incentive so that everyone can make money. Right? The idea here is that insurance companies make money, and they should make money, and doctors make money, and they should make money, and you should be able to make more money by paying your insurance company less. That's how free markets work. Instead, Cruz does this. Is clip three. In 2008, the 10 largest insurance companies in America made just over $8 billion profit. In 2016, 2015 rather, those same 10 largest companies made $15 billion in profit. Insurance company profits have doubled under Obamacare. That was the result. Bernie helped write Obamacare. I don't think the federal government ought to be passing a law that doubles insurance company profits. And while those profits were doubling, what happened to the average American family? The average American family, your premiums have gone up $5,462. Okay, so what he's saying here is true. And he's also undermining Bernie's argument that Obamacare makes the insurance companies you know, less profitable, but it's also not true in the long term because the fact is that it's bankrupting insurance companies, which is why there's so many states. And there was one point where Cruz did this. He took out a map showing how many states only have one insurance company now that Obamacare has been implemented. Insurance companies are dropping out specifically because it isn't that profitable. In the short term, it's really profitable because everybody is now forced to buy health insurance. In the long term, it really isn't because now health insurance is forced to cover pre-existing conditions, which means that you can wait till you get cancer and then pay your $500 premium and then all of a sudden you have health insurance for cancer after never having paid into the system your entire life. This is not the best way to defend the private market. It's basically undermining the private market even as you're trying to defend it. So I want to talk a little bit more about this when we continue over on dailywire.com. But you have to subscribe for that. Plus, I want to get to the continuation of the Trump media battle. Trump is tweeting, and some of it is good and some of it is not so good as per our usual arrangement. So we'll get to all of that. But you have to go to dailywire.com right now to subscribe. $8 a month will buy you access to see the rest of the show live. We have our mailbag tomorrow. Yay, everybody loves the mailbag, but you can't be a part of it unless you're a member over at dailywire.com. So go over there right now, check it out. And if you subscribe right now, we've just changed 
our annual subscription offer, you get a free copy of the wonderful movie, The Arroyo, produced by Jeremy Boring of Daily Wire fame. And, uh, and it is a, a really good film about, the, about what's happening on our southern border. I highly endorse it. If you haven't seen it, you should. Uh, if you've seen it, you've probably seen it on, I, I think they've shown it on the Blaze Network a bunch of times. I think they've shown it uh, on, Net, uh, on, um, on Newsmax a bunch of times. But if you haven't seen it, you really should check it out. Great movie. The Arroyo, you can get that now for free when you get an annual subscription. So check that out. You are listening and watching the most popular conservative podcast in the nation. So at the beginning of the CNN debate between Cruz and Sanders, I was actually really irritated. Uh, and uh, I was irritated because it looked like both of the candidates were just going to kind of mince around the issues. They, they, were, they weren't going to get to the central issues, which were what are rights, free markets versus government. And then they did. And then eventually, about 45 minutes in, they finally stumbled into the important part of the conversation. This was the important part of the conversation. Bernie Sanders versus Ted Cruz on the nature and definition of rights in American jurisprudence, law, and thought. Here's Bernie Sanders basically saying, healthcare is a right. And then Ted Cruz saying, not really. Here we go. Let's talk about what rights are. Rights mean you have a right for government not to mess with you, for government not to do things with you. If you look at the Bill of Rights, the Bill of Rights, free speech means the government can't silence you when you're speaking. Religious liberty means the government can't control who you worship, what your faith is. The Second Amendment means the government can't take away your guns. Those are rights. You know what the Declaration of Independence said? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what is a right? Is access to health care. What is a right is choosing your own doctor. And if you believe health care is a right, why on earth did you help write Obamacare that caused six million people to have their health insurance canceled, that had them uh-huh. lose their doctors, well, and have people like LaRonda who can't get health well, insurance, for, can't afford premiums, you're denying her what you say is her right. Okay, and then he went, for a start, everybody has a right to as much health care as they could possibly want, basically. <laughs> okay, and th- this is the stupidity of that argument. When you say you have a right to someone else's services, products, labor, you're enslaving that person. I do not have a right to your labor. If I had a right to your labor, I could chain you up in my backyard and make you work for me. I can't. I don't have a right to your labor. The stupidity of the argument, so, the, so Cruz is saying a right is you have the right to access health care. And Bernie is saying that's not a real right because you can't pay for it. If you can't afford it, you don't ha- really have that right. The reason that's a dumb argument is let me just take an analog. Okay, this is an analogy. Here we go. I have a right to keep and bear arms under the Second Amendment. But that means I have to buy the weapon, right? I have to buy it. According to Bernie's logic, that's not enough of a right because what if I can't afford a gun? Then Bernie Sanders should buy me my Glock. Right? I have a right to the Second Amendment. That means that Bernie Sanders should buy me my Mossberg 500. I don't see him proposing that. The First Amendment says I have a right to freedom of speech. But let's be real. Bernie Sanders says this all the time. I don't have the ability to purchase as much free speech as some big corporation can. So I think that Bernie Sanders ought to buy me a television network. I think Bernie Sanders ought to use the government to buy me a television network. After all, rights are the things that you can have, not the things you have access to. This is a deeply flawed argument, and it's obvious that it's deeply flawed. And that's why Cruz is right and Sanders is wrong. Again, the left likes to declare things right and then think magically that they're just going to materialize. That's not how life works, okay? Things don't magically become, they don't become material in your fridge. If you say, I have a right to food, that doesn't mean that the food magically appears in your fridge. And it doesn't mean that you have the right to steal my food. And it doesn't mean that you have the right to take my wallet and buy food. Okay, the right to food means you have the access to purchase food. You have the right to access food. 
Okay, that's not the same thing as saying that you have a right that I am to provide to you. There's a difference between positive rights and negative rights. Sanders is arguing in favor of what they call positive rights, which means confiscations from other people. And Cruz is arguing in favor of negative rights, which is to say you have a right in the absence of the government taking something away from you. Perhaps the most amusing portion of this particular tete-a-tete between Cruz and Sanders was the point at which Ted Cruz forced Sanders to admit that Obama lied about Obamacare. Uh, this is clip seven. Well, Bernie, since, since apparently I'm now trying to kill the elderly, um, <laughs> let, let me ask Sanders you a question. When you heard that, that her premiums had skyrocketed, that she can't afford health insurance, you kind of said, well, premiums always go up. I mean, let me ask you, why did President Obama look in the eyes of the American people and promise LaRonda that her health insurance premiums would go down $2,500 a year. Was he telling the truth when he said that? And were you and the other Democrats telling the truth when you echoed his promise to the American people? Well, Ted, for a start, as everybody knows, health care is pretty complicated. I think President Obama is an honest person, and I think based on his assessment, that's what he believed. Was it true? But let me, turns out not to be true, but it turns out to be that under Bush, Oops. premiums went up higher. Not a new thing. Okay, but that's not the case that Obama was making. Now they're changing the argument, moving the goalposts. That was kind of amusing. The whole thing was pretty amusing. It was Bernie Sanders stumbling around like a crazed old socialist loon that he is, and Ted Cruz standing back there reading facts. And uh, it, was, it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. Okay, so meanwhile, the Trump administration continues to go to war with the media. Today's, tr today's Trump tweet fart uh, comes in the form of an attack on Nordstrom's. So uh, th this goes in the category of, of bad Trump. So Nordstrom's did something terrible. They've decided that they no longer want to do business with Ivanka Trump. I think this is egregious. I do. First of all, I think that Ivanka Trump's clothing line is actually really nice. My wife owns a couple of Ivanka Trump products, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but beyond that, the idea that you're going to blacklist a company because you don't like Ivanka Trump's father is really gross. So I agree with Trump that it's really, really gross. But here is what Donald Trump tweets out. So what, what Donald Trump actually tweets out, let me, let me get the exact language because I'm always accused of misquoting him by people who don't understand that I'm directly quoting him. So here is his actual, here is his actual quote, quote, my daughter Ivanka has been treated so unfairly by Nordstrom. She is a great person, always pushing me to do the right thing. Terrible. All Trump tweets, you know that he actually did them because they end with an exclamation point. Terrible. Okay, here's the problem with this. He's the president of the United States. When you're putting pressure on a company because they're not doing business with your daughter, that looks a lot like self-dealing, doesn't it? Okay, can you imagine if Hillary Clinton had been president? And then somebody had said, we're not giving money to the Hillary Clinton Foundation anymore because Hillary is the president, the Chelsea Clinton Foundation. Right, Hillary would take her name off it. It would be the Chelsea Clinton Foundation now. And, and then Hillary said, that evil corporation that won't give money to Chelsea, that's just terrible. Wouldn't you think, oh, that's kind of bad. That's bullying and gross. Okay, so that's not so good. Meanwhile... Uh, Trump is uh, is still up in arms over this judicial decision from Seattle, and so he's been commenting on that a lot. And uh, and I actually don't think most of his comments are that bad. Everybody's going crazy. I talked about this yesterday. Constitutional crisis. We're all going to die. No, it isn't. He's allowed to say whatever he wants about the judiciary. The judiciary gets to say whatever they want about him. This is my basic rule for government and life. People get to say whatever they want so long as they're not physically harming you. And if he wants to say that he doesn't like the judiciary, if he wants to say he doesn't like that judge, he has every right to do it. He has every right to do it. I think it's worse when he says things about Mexican judges, but I don't think that it's that bad when he says that a judge has overstepped his boundaries because the judge overstepped his boundaries. 
Meanwhile, Trump is at war with the media, and it's a war that Trump wants, and the media are so stupid. They don't understand that Trump loves this war with the media because we hate the media, and there's a good reason we hate the media, because the media are always lying, because the media are always on the left. And so the implication is it's this lying media against lying Donald Trump, so who do you believe? You're going to believe the one who you tend to agree with more often. The reason, by the way, we dislike the media is not just because sometimes they skew the narrative. It's because of incidents like this. So yesterday, Barack Obama is caught on video hanging out with Richard Branson and doing some water skiing or Paris skiing or whatever it is. And Brooke Baldwin on CNN begins gushing over Barack Obama's magnificent body. And looking at these pictures uh, of him, Necker Island, you know, Sir Richard Branson's island. I mean, can we say on TV that President Obama is jacked? (laughs) Well, you just said it. He seems to have had some time, perhaps, to uh, spend some time in the gym, which he all, he did make a regular habit of that as president. But he's oh been relaxing, God. and you probably haven't seen this him like this. CNN, but, I mean, come on. If you... Okay, we can shut these people up. It's, it's CNN, not TMZ. But then they say, the home for real news, right? The n- most trusted name in news, CNN. Dun, 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 dun. Man, he is so jacked. Come on. First of all, if you consider Barack Obama jacked, I'd like you to meet, you know, I'd like you to meet like Tim Kennedy from MMA, right? Come on. Barack Obama is is actually probably in worse shape than I am, which is not saying a ton, okay? So, like, really, that's, like, my biceps are bigger than Barack Obama's, which is meant as an insult, not as a compliment to me. So, you know, the fact that, that Brooke Baldwin is gushing over his body on national television, yeah, I understand why a lot of people on my side of the aisle think the media is full of crap. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is going to war with the media. And the problem is, if you're going to go to war with the media, tell the truth when you go to war with the media, because otherwise you end up in sort of a bad situation. So we now have this polarized media environment where the media say silly things, and Donald Trump says silly things, and everybody says silly things, and then sycophantic media say that Trump is wonderful, and negative media say that Trump is terrible, and no one knows what to believe. So here is a quick rundown on such media events yesterday. So here is Trump yesterday talking with Bill O'Reilly. He's talking about he sees the lies in the news media. I read the papers, I see what's going on on television, right. I take a look, I see the lies, that, you know, the, the lies of, uh, that's right. another thing. I always got sort of good press. You know, I was a business guy, I got good press, I did <laughs> yeah, good. I know. I have never, I call it, you know, fake news. Some of the networks and some of the papers, it's so, dis- the level of dishonesty, where they'll take a story that... I know good from bad. Sure. They'll take something that should be a good story. In fact, sometimes I say, oh, this is going to be nice to read. I'll say, whoa. And they will purposely totally change it away. It's fake news. Okay, so says that that is just, it's just terrible. It's fake news. Okay, so everything that's bad that he doesn't like is fake news. And then meanwhile, Bill O'Reilly is asking Trump, does it hurt your feelings? Like, I'm sorry. I don't care about his feelings. My God, who cares about how the president feels? Does it hurt your feelings? Everything hurts Trump's feelings. He's super insecure, just like Obama was super insecure. But here's Bill O'Reilly. Does it hurt your feelings, Mr. President, most powerful person on planet Earth? I know that, you know, when people attack you personally, that bothers you. So they're saying that you're anti-Muslim. They're saying that you're anti-black. They're saying that you're anti-poor. Do you respond? Because you do come back. I always respond. I mean, but it, does it hurt well, your a, feelings that they are making you into a hater? No, because they always do it. The first thing they do with the Republicans or conservatives is the racist card. They pull out the racist card. They always do that, not just me. I mean, they do it with everybody. And I see that. And once you know that, you feel a lot better about it. Okay, so again, 
<sighs> okay, so meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, people are looking at Trump and going, um, you're, you're sending out serial liars all the time on TV. Kellyanne Conway is home with Jake Tapper, and Jake Tapper basically slaps her around. On CNN, Conway has to admit that CNN is not fake news, right? Tapper asked her about this, and you would imagine that this is the point where she would say, yes, it's fake news, but she doesn't. She admits openly that Trump is not really telling the truth about CNN. But it's very difficult to hear those criticisms from a White House that has such little regard, day in, day out, for facts, for truth, and who, can, who, calls, us, and who calls us fake news for stories that they don't like. Well, Jake, uh, let me just say, we have a very high respect for the truth, and I can only speak for me, and I'm sorry that I misspoke. It wasn't like I was trying to get people to believe something existed that didn't. Are we fake news, Kellyanne? Is CNN fake news? No, I don't think CNN is fake news. I think there are some reports um, everywhere, in print, on TV, on radio, in conversation, that are not well-researched and are, and are sometimes based on falsehoods. Okay, so what she's saying there at the very end is right, but the problem is that the entire administration has just been shouting fake news to the sky. I've come to the conclusion that very few people actually care about the truth. One of the things about, about modern media is that it siphons you into the sorts of stories you like. So if you're on Facebook, Facebook tends to, tends to gravitate toward the stories that you like. If you're on Twitter, you tend to follow the people that you like. The market always caters to what you like. You're not going to like news headlines that you don't like. And that means that people are constantly looking for stuff that reinforces their own political perspective, whether or not it's true. And it's incumbent on you, it's incumbent on me, to try and look at views that we don't necessarily like and try to be intellectually honest about that, which is why when CNN gets it wrong, I'll say CNN gets it wrong. When Trump gets it wrong, I'll say Trump gets it wrong. I think that's deeply important because I think that that sort of value has gone away. And I'll give you an example. Here's Kellyanne Conway making excuses for some of the fibs that the Trump administration has purveyed. I'm talking about the president of the United States saying things that are not true, demonstrably not true. That is important and arguably more important than whoever reached you at your daughter's play. Well, are they are they more important than the many things that he says that are true that are making a difference in people's lives? I just think we want coverage of that as well. They distract from them. They distract from the things he says. Okay, the answer is yes. It is more important to you when the president lies than when he tells you the truth. Just like it is more important to you when your spouse lies to you than when they tell you the truth. The default should be that you hear the truth. If your wife lies to you, okay, that's a really bad indicator for your marriage. If your husband lies to you, very bad indicator for your marriage. That's such an asinine response. If, if, uh, if my wife lied to me or if I lied to my wife, let's say I lied to my wife, and my wife caught me in the lie and I said, well, honey, but does that really, does that really outweigh all the times I've told you the truth? Why is this a balance? You should be expected to tell the truth. <laughs> but unfortunately, you're not anymore because it depends which side of the aisle you fall on. If you like Trump, then you believe whatever garbage he's going to say today. And if you like the media, you're going to believe whatever garbage they say today. And no one seems to care about objective truth. I will say this for the media. At least they walk it back. Sometimes the media will walk it back when they get it wrong. Usually they issue retractions after they're caught in a lie. I have yet to hear Trump issue any sort of retraction for anything that's been said. The only retraction I've ever heard from the Trump administration is like an obvious silliness, like Bowling Green Massacre, where Kellyanne Conway walked that back. But that's pretty atypical. Usually they just double down on it. Okay, time for some stuff I like and then some stuff that I hate. So, stuff I like today. We've been doing boxing movies, so I'm going to give you the greatest boxing movie of all time, which is, of course, Rocky. Rocky is the greatest boxing movie of all time. The sequels are just ridiculous and cartoonish. They're fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ivan Drago is amazing, and so is Mr. T. But 
that you're now in the realm of, of cartoon characters. The original Rocky is a terrific film. I mean, it won Best Picture in 1976. It's actually a really good movie, just on its own, because it really isn't about boxing as much as it is about a guy who's kind of a loser recognizing that he can be a winner if he applies himself and if he ignores all the people who are telling him he can't succeed. It's, it's about him realizing he's not a victim, that he has to actually overcome his own, his own problems in order, to, in order to do well. And here's the preview for Rocky, which is a fantastic movie. It really holds up. A great movie. His name is Sylvester Stallone. He's the star of a oh, new film called Rocky. He's been described as tough, handsome, talented, sexy, sensitive, dynamic, brilliant. He's been compared to Nicholson, De Niro, and Brando, but he is Rocky. He's the man who could be loved by only one woman because somehow she gets beneath the pain. He's every nobody who ever needed somebody. Rocky, do you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. I'll break both your arms so they don't work for you. He's every man who ever settled for something less. What about my pride, Nick? At least you have pride. I ain't had no pride, I ain't enough. How would he get that? How would he get that? Terrific. I mean, you could be a heartbreak. You walk down the street breaking hearts the way you look. Very shy. He's the man who never had a chance until now. Rocky. His whole life was a million to one shot. Okay, so the, the, the movie is actually, it's become so parodied now, and it's become so overplayed now, that people forget it's actually an underrated movie now because people made such a big deal out of Rocky. So people spend so much time making fun of Rocky, and it's parodied a thousand times, and everybody knows the music, and they still use it in commercials, and everybody's the Sylvester Stallone accent. But the fact is, the movie's actually really good. So go back and watch it and see how good the movie is. Also, it actually takes away, I think, in the later movies when he actually becomes champ. And spoiler alert from 1976, okay? In the later movies, he becomes champ. In the first one, he does not. But the fact is that that is what makes the movie work. It's not about him winning. It's about him persevering. That's what the movie's about, and it's a great film. Okay, time for some stuff that I hate. Let's do Let's it. Ruth Bader McGinsburg is still kind of tottering around saying silly things. She said yesterday that she wants changes to the Electoral Colleges, the Electoral College. She would back any calls to change the Electoral College, obviously, because Trump won. So here is Ruth Bader Ginsburg being Ruth Bader Ginsburg. 83-year-old did not offer her opinion on President Trump's recent nomination to the Supreme Court, and Stanford said she could not comment on his executive orders. But last summer, she said she feared for the country if Trump were elected. She later apologized. When a student asked her what she'd like to change in our society? Well, some things that I would like to change. One is the Electoral College, but that was... <laughs> okay, so no one should ever listen to Ruth Bader Ginsburg about changing the Constitution. This is a woman who said several years ago that if she had to start a country, she would not base it on the United States Constitution, she would base it on the South African Constitution. The South African Constitution reads like Bernie Sanders' wet dream. Okay, The South African Constitution is a series of rights that the government guarantees to you, but they're actually just things. So it guarantees you health care and housing and food and, and all, this, all this stuff. Does South Africa actually provide any of those things? Of course not. South Africa is deeply impoverished. South Africa has all sorts of problems because you cannot guarantee somebody's right to a thing unless you're willing to take it away from somebody else. 
no one should ever listen to Ruth Bader Ginsburg because all she does is say silly things. Okay, other things that I don't like. The Republican Party, I just do not understand this mentality. I, I, it's driving me crazy. I don't understand the mentality that says that if you like some of the stuff Trump is doing, that means that you must worship everything that comes out of his mouth. Okay, you can say, I like what Trump... I've said it many times on the program in the last two weeks. I gave him a B plus for the first week and an A minus for the second week. I like a lot of the things that Trump is doing, but the things that he's saying, some of them are really, really stupid. So one of the things that he said that's stupid is when he suggested that Vladimir Putin was not a killer and that the United States is full of killers, right? This is really bad. And then you get Republicans out there defending this kind of stuff. So Steve King, who I like, I like, I like Steve. I mean, I know this, I know Congressman King from Iowa, very, very nice guy. But what he says here is just wrong. Here is the congressman who's a big Trump supporter talking about Vladimir Putin and, and the wonders and glories of Vladimir Putin. A tweet from Marco Rubio earlier today. He wrote, quote, when has a Democratic political activist been poisoned by the GOP or vice versa? We are not the same as Putin. Uh, congressman, what's your reaction to this? Uh, whose side are you on? Do you believe that Donald Trump is right in his assertion that we're morally equivalent to Russia? I think there's been some overreaction on both sides of that argument. Uh, one, when uh, I saw the video of, of President Trump's response to that question, uh, I thought that his first is the implication, and I don't think his words came out very well, were that the orders that come down from the leadership of any country often result in life or death events that result. And uh, the moral equivalency, I, I, I agree, there's not a moral equivalency between the United States and Russia. Although when I listened to um, one of the senators when he said that uh, Putin is against freedom of religion, he's actually been opening things up for uh, the expansion of especially the Russian Orthodox Church in, in Russia. And I know that that helps him politically, but there's more freedom of religion there than there used to be. And not much for freedom of the press, but dissent. Um, I would say um, Gary Kasparov has long, now he's in the United States, he lived a long time in Russia with a very loud megaphone. No. Okay, this is crazy towns. Okay, we can stop right there. Jake, uh, Jay Nordlinger over at National Review breaks this down. He says, I'm not sure I know of a more disgusting talking point. What if they had Ga Kasparov's corpse? Would they then concede that Putin is bad news? While in Russia, Kasparov was arrested and beaten. He's been in exile since 2013, and for very good reason. If he returned to his native country, he could end up like some of his friends and fellow Democrats, imprisoned, poisoned, or dead. Kasparov's friend Vladimir Katamurza is in the hospital again, in a coma again, poisoned again. <laughs> so, sorry, using Gary Kasparov as your example of how wonderful Vladimir Putin is seems a little bit wrong. And then Tom Cotton, who I have a lot of respect for, Senator Cotton from Arkansas, he does the exact same routine. He was asked about this, and he refused to condemn too. He said, why don't we give it time? It's not about giving time, okay? When someone does something wrong, you say it's bad. This is not a tough thing. This is not a tough thing. Okay, so I was going to do some Bible talk, but we, we'll run out of time. So maybe we'll do that a little bit tomorrow. Uh, in, but tonight we are speaking at Marquette, and I will give you the update on how that goes. There could be fireworks. There could be not fireworks. I, I always hope that it's just a perfectly calm discussion because that's a lot more fun, and you get to change a lot more minds with that than when the left decides that they're going to riot against people. But we'll find out. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.